Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey everyone, it's Raheel. I know it was a dark and gloomy week, but we made it to Friday. So you know what that means. Let's look back at some of the headlines from this week. Could Houston see a big economic boost from our neighbors to the south because of a city initiative? And the future of a historic Montrose bar hangs in the balance. I recap those stories and more with political contributor and Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz and contributor and author Shiam Galyon. It's Friday, May 12th. I'm Rahil Ramsnali, and here's what Houston's talking about. We made it to another Friday, and I'm bringing in my friends, Evan Mintz and Shiam. How are y'all? Rahil, good morning. I'm doing great. It's been a tough week. I'm looking forward to the weekend. How are you? You know, same thing. It's been a long week. It's been rain and darkness, and we're almost here to Mother's Day, so it's going to be a good weekend. Evan, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. Just dropped off my car at Discount Tire to get some new tires because I live in Houston and I have to do that all the time. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I've given this tip before, but if you don't have tires from Discount Tire, you can still go get a warranty on them. And if you have any issues with them, they'll fix it for you. So shout out to Discount Tire. Love them. All right. Before we get to the news, I want to ask you all, we had our episode on the art bike parade. And I want to know what bike would Evan and Shiam design. If you had to take one tomorrow to the parade, Evan, what's your bike design? I mean, I kind of want one that looks a little bit like one of the chariots out of Ben-Hur, <laughs> just because I've been riding down the street, my bike with my kids in the trailer in the back, and people in cars act like maniacs zooming past us in neighborhoods where it's like 25 mile an hour speed limit anyways. Like, they're just mad to see a bike on the street. So I just kind of want to get up next to them, may have some spikes in my tires, see if I could tear them up a little bit. I just want to level the playing field. Yeah. I yell at people who speed in our neighborhood because I'm like you. I take my kids on my bike all the time and I literally yell at them, slow down. And, you know, yeah, it, you gotta. It's so annoying, but that's a good one. Shiam, how about you? When you asked that immediately, two things popped into my mind. Uh, a bike that looks like a rocket. Is that too mm-hmm. obvious for Houston? Um and second, a bike that looks like an alligator. An alligator mm. bike. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It can reach top speeds of 40 miles per hour on my yeah. alligator bike. <laughs> and the only way to outrun the alligator bike is by running in zigzags. Oh, that's a great tip. I didn't know that. <laughs> Supposedly, that's how you outrun alligators. Okay. That's the rumor. I don't know. I've never seen anybody being chased by an alligator, so I'm not sure. All right. Let's jump into the news. Shiam, let's start with you. What was your biggest story of the week? Yeah, so my top story has to do with the Fort Bend School District. They proposed a bond to improve the construction and you know general facilities of the schools in the school district. Also proposing uh, you know equipment, school uh, textbooks and laptops for students and uh, teachers, and then also like a really badass swimming pool. 
um, somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but the reason why it's a big deal is because it's $1.2 billion. And Fort Bend is the sixth largest school district in the state of Texas, which actually is a big deal. And this past weekend, voters approved it. So people in the Fort Bend area, what they can expect to see over the years is construction and your property taxes are going to go up about $30 a year. Yeah. And I was one of those voters. I went and voted for the three-part proposition. Uh, One little thing that I noticed. So during general elections, I go to the same school that I always vote at. And there's usually a line, right? So I'm anticipating a line. I'm like, whoa, you know, it's going to be packed. I was, I was running kind of late. I walked in around 2 p.m. And the official that was running the polls, I said, what, has it been busy? And he said, you are the 33rd person today. So it was a slow turnout. But you're right, the bond passed. And now we'll see, you know, what these schools are going to look like in the upkeep. Okay, wow. I actually was also wondering how many people turned out for this because I didn't. I like knew about this bond, but I it just like totally slipped my calendar yeah. that last weekend was when voting was happening. Yeah, and early voting numbers were like 5%. Usually those numbers are in the 35 to 50% range in big elections. So that just gives you perspective of what their turnout was like for this bond proposition. These May elections are ridiculous. The turnout is so low, things slip under the radar. And I saw a a funny comment from someone saying that they were mad about the way things are going, but they couldn't wait to turn out on Tuesday and vote. Saturday is the election day in these May elections. So how did you know about it, Raheel? So because I went to Clements, the principal told me about it. And she's like, hey, you know, we have this bond coming up and we have a hearing tonight, a public hearing about it to discuss what exactly the bond is going to be for Clemens. So that's where I first learned about it. And then I started following it, you know, just through all the news stories. Okay, gotcha. So if our listeners wanted to pay more attention to school board stuff, the schools are like one place to check in with. Yeah, because I have st- I have a student in Fort Bend ISD as well. They did a good job of sending out communication about the bond propositions and what it means and when to go vote. So they were also communicating from the Fort Bend ISD perspective as well. Like from our school, we were getting emails. Oh, okay. Great, great. All right, Evan, let's jump into your biggest story. What was it? The biggest story this week, and I'm looking at more of a state level story, is the Texas House voting unanimously to kick out Brian Slayton. For those who don't know, Brian Slayton is a state representative from outside of the DFW area. He's a former youth pastor, a real arch conservative, running on the problem of spending and drag shows. And apparently, he got a 19-year-old staffer drunk, had sex with her when she was in a state unable to give effective consent. And as the story broke, the entire legislature... uh, basically circled the wagons around him and said, we're not going to put up with this. The, the Texas legislature has a terrible reputation for being a place where people get away with awful behavior, away from their homes, people who moralize during the day and then do stuff like this at night. And it was just heartening to see some actual accountability for behavior like this. Two things from the story really stand out to me. One is that, at least from my reading of it, women staffers testified and the male staffers didn't. They refused. 
And I think that just shows the importance of tearing down a lot of these old school boys will be boys attitudes and making sure that we have real diversity up there. That is where you get the value. Uh, and the second is that this grown man had unprotected sex with a 19 year old staffer who then the next day went to go get plan B. Can some of the planned parenthood protesters up in the legislature provide a little sex ed for these Republicans, please? Just like if you're going to do something awful, at least do it in a smart way. I, I just can't wrap my head around that. And I'm hoping that this uh, will send a message to other lawmakers that we will not put up with this sort of behavior and will also mean some larger accountability for Paul Pressler, who is a longtime figure in Republican politics, who is facing allegations of raping a 14-year-old boy mm. and routinely harassing staffers. So what do you think comes of this in terms of accountability in the future? I think that you're going to have representatives who think that they can have a little fun in Austin at the expense of everyone else there, realizing that those days are up, that it isn't a party place anymore for for weirdos and moralizers, You know that you have to act like a sane human being, you have to treat other people with respect, and you have to act within the bounds of law and ethics. And for the longest time, the legislature, far away from people's homes, far away from their churches, far away from the eyes of their usual family and friends, people would do stuff like this. And I think we're finally saying that's not going to happen anymore. And I also think that this shows the long-term impact of the Me Too movement, that there's a society-wide awakening that this behavior is routine and that we need to explicitly say it will not be tolerated. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Man, if you want to read more about that story, it is in our show notes. So, ooh, man, explosive story to start the week. Uh, I saw that and I was like, I couldn't believe it. But here we are. Okay, my biggest story of the week, uh, we're going to go to the arts, okay, because I love the arts scene here in Houston. We have a lot of culture. And the city of Houston approved $5 million in the American Rescue Plan Act to fund the city's art community scene. And grants will be open starting in June via the Houston and Cultural Stabilization Grant. So if you are a business that works in the arts or if you are in the arts, there's going to be a lot of funding coming your way. And of course, it's been a struggle in the city through the pandemic. We lost a lot of money from tourists. We lost a lot of money that would be there for these businesses. So to see this $5 million approved in funding to, for our arts is huge. And I'm so excited to see what will happen from that. And there's still a lot of recovery left, but this is a good start. I saw that this morning too. I was really excited. I have about like 20 people I'm going to pass that information on to. Mm -hmm. you know, Houston has a quality art scene. If you look at the very, very top, we have these uh, top level art museums, science museums, these institutions. When it comes to kind of that middle level and grassroots institutions, it feels like we're really lacking. That's a place where we could really use some help. And so I'm hoping that something like this will help jumpstart that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Sham, let's get to your most overlooked story. Man, so last time I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw a post from Pearl Bar. I don't know if you guys know, but Pearl Bar is actually a nationally known uh, LGBTQ bar in Montrose. There's like very few lesbian bars actually left. I think mainly because a lot of spaces are now non-binary and more like for the entire queer community. 
And so people come from all over to come to Pearl Bar. And last night I saw a post on Instagram from the bar owner, Julie, who was saying that she was doing some routine maintenance, business maintenance, was looking into her insurance. And the insurance was like, hey, we don't think we want to insure you past this year because uh, your business is more risky because of the drag shows that you put on. And so the Houston Chronicle ran a story about it this morning. Julie and the Chronicle pointed to Texas Senate Bill 12, which bans drag shows for children. And it's passed in the Senate. It's now in the Texas House for consideration. And Julie, the owner of Pearl Bar, was like, we, you know, we're a 21 plus establishment. Obviously, there's fear mongering in many states right now against drag shows. In Tennessee, uh, there were some like big name performers who were told that they couldn't have their backup dancers because it was seen as pro drag. So this is very concerning. And I think I think it's a story that needs more attention. You know, I think you really point out something here, how even if these laws never pass, even if the laws don't actually apply to certain institutions, the fear that they create around it and the hostile environment they create inflict harm of their own. I mean, you have an insurance underwriter basically saying, I'm out. I'm not going to do this kind of work anymore just because there could be potential problems, just because some protesters with guns might show up, even if everything they're doing is legal, even if these ridiculous and unnecessary laws pass in the first place. And I think it really shows like what the point of these laws is, which is to drive people back into the closet, drive institutions back underground. And, you know, from a strictly money standpoint, they paid over 300000 in TABC sales tax alone, according to that Instagram post. So it's like that is a major revenue stream as well that the state is going to miss out on, the city is going to miss out on, and of course, the local economic impact for the Montrose community because of fear-mongering. I'm so glad that post went viral and there's stories about it. As you mentioned, she am on the Houston Chronicle now. We're talking about it. I hope another insurance company, and I think they will, somebody else will step up and insure them and they can renew that license. I hope so too. Evan, how about you? What was your most overlooked story? I think the most overlooked story this week is that it's Houston week in Mexico. What's Houston week? You've probably never heard of it. It's the second annual event where Houston sends a delegation to Mexico to help build economic tourism research, medical ties, basically say that we do tons of business together, so let's strengthen it even further and formalize this relationship. We're sending 100 people from Houston throughout Mexico, Mexico City, Monterey, Nuevo Leon, just talk about all the ways in which Houston and Mexico do business together. And we do a lot of business, okay? Every year, we get 1.3 million visitors from Mexico. They bring about half a billion dollars worth of revenue to the Houston economy. And just overall, at least in 2022, there are more than $30 billion worth of goods and services moved between Houston and Mexico, and more than 500,000 Houston residents were born in Mexico. And it is a shame to see that Houston-Mexico relationship and the overall U.S.-Mexico relationship is defined by the border, is defined by refugees, is defined by undocumented immigration, and the antagonism goes both ways. Uh, You see the president of Mexico constantly lambasting the United States, and you see plenty of politicians in the United States attacking Mexico. I think that there is so much opportunity for cooperation and business and growth, and it's a natural relationship too, one that we've been doing for decades. I think it's time to put aside a lot 
lot of the fear and focus on the opportunities for money making, which is really why Houston's here. And whenever we talk about Houston-Mexico ties. I keep thinking of stories my mom would tell me. She was a teenager and she worked at Neiman Marcus as a personal shopper. And these wealthy Mexican families would come up to Houston specifically to go shopping at Neiman Marcus. And because she made a commission, my mom, about 17 years old, ended up making more money than my grandfather one month because people were just buying so much. Mm. And eventually he made her quit her job because he thought like a little girl should not have this much money. This is inappropriate. But it just shows the potential there that we all get along so well on a person-to-person basis, we need to stop letting the fear get in the way. You know, you think about the tourism that we provide to Mexico, right? All the flights that go from Hobby and now Bush Airport that you can be in Cancun or Cabo in less than three hours, all the tourism. yeah. Yeah, like it's so great. And then if you go to an outlet mall on a weekend, you'll see so many Mexican license plates all over because they are coming here, as you mentioned, to shop, to take advantage of our systems as well. And it is a awesome relationship when it's working. Oh, yeah. And it works a lot more than it doesn't. But, you know, the, the dog bites man stories, they, they don't get headlines. You know, it's the scary things that get headlines. And I would just want to shine a little brighter light on the natural and healthy relationship between Texas and Mexico. All right. My most overlooked story of the week. I don't know how y'all feel about driverless cars and ride sharing apps and all that stuff. But Cruise, which is a California based subsidiary of General Motors, announced Wednesday that it will begin test driving with human help. Okay, human supervised test drives of their driverless ride hailing service. So we could be seeing some unmanned vehicles here pretty soon. They've tested it in other cities as well, but Houston is next. How are we feeling about this? Oh man, I feel like you just gave me a public service announcement because I'm gonna be looking out. I'm not feeling too good about this. And I'm just saying, I'm speaking totally from a feelings perspective but there was this like horrible article that came out about Tesla and how the self-driving feature wasn't fully figured out and that they were basically using the roads as their own laboratory and that like people just were randomly dying. And there were like these tech bros who were justifying it for the greater good. And I'm like, wow. It's funny. I think driverless technology would be great for safety, right? If every car was being driven by robots and we don't have human error, then I think there'd be less accidents. But that is many, many decades away because there's just too many cars that don't have the technology. The cars don't speak to themselves yet. They don't speak to the roads. I think it's a whole you know, major infrastructure overtaking. I do have that feature in one of my cars, that driverless technology, and it's cool. It works, but even I don't use it because I'm scared because we're just not there yet. It is a cool party trick, but oh man, it is so scary. Now, I don't know if cruise is going to work here right like i don't know how long the rides are we do have other companies in the area that will go from houston to dallas with 18 wheelers that are driving themselves and that's a little bit easier actually because there's not many big navigations right big turns or anything like that so i I don't know what the future is but i'm kind of excited about it but i'm also kind of scared evan 
I think that self-driving cars are the technology of the future and always will be. I remember 10 years ago hearing so many lines about how all our cars are going to be self-driving within five years, and we really needed to rethink how we built all of our infrastructure around this. Well, that didn't exactly come true, and it turned out that the tech sector really does like to sell you sparkles. Uh, and as we put this technology to the test, it can do things, but the level of specificity and caution that we need in it just isn't there yet. Uh, so I can't wait for self-driving cars. I hope we get them in my lifetime, and I'm glad we're testing them. But uh, I am very cautious about any promises that can be made because, you know, once bitten, twice shy on this. All right, let's go to our moment of joy. Shiam, what do you have for us? Well, there's like three super awesome events in Houston this weekend. First, uh, the Art Bike Parade, which you've actually been tweeting about, Raheel. That's how I found out about it. But second, also Miller Outdoor Theater is having a birthday party. It's their like 100th birthday. So they'll be passing out cake. There's going to be balloons. It looks like it's going to be a good time. And third, Urban Harvest Farmers Market is having a pollinators festival. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Really cool. That sounds like a good weekend. And if you want to learn more about the Art and Bike Parade, you can listen to the episode in our show feed. Evan, how about you? What was your moment of joy? Oh, my moment of joy this week was watching the Houston Chronicle editorial board get recognized by the Pulitzers. They were a Pulitzer finalist for a series of editorials on gun violence. But I have to say, it was a little bittersweet because back in 2017, I too was on the Houston Chronicle editorial board, and I and Joe Holly, who was a winner this time around, uh, were finalists for a series of editorials on gun violence. And it's one of those time is a flat circle moments. Has anything changed? Has anything gotten better? I think overall, but for maybe one federal law, things have gotten worse in the field of gun violence and gun safety. Uh, so, you know, keep writing those editorials, keep drawing attention to the issue. But at a certain point, we've got to realize that there's a bigger political challenge out there and a bigger cultural challenge as well. And if you want to learn more about our gun laws and what exactly reform looks like, you can check out our episode that Evan and I did earlier this week. Again, that is in your show feed and you can find that. Okay, my moment of joy. I saw this and I was so happy to see it. Texas Southern is now going to be graduating the first class in their banking program. So why is this important? Well, Muriel Funches, who is the executive director of advancement at TSU, Jesse H. Jones School of Business said that there's so many businesses right now that are unbanked. So half of Houston's 90,000 black owned businesses are still unbanked. And when you have that many businesses out there that are unbanked, they're lacking services, they're relying all on cash transactions. So to have these graduates now who are going to be representing the community and building trust with these businesses to start banking and start doing things where they can start gaining some interest, they can start getting credit as, uh, as opposed to just being strictly cash business, that is huge. And they can now access that capital that will help them grow as well. You know, TSU is also in the news for doing a partnership with Rice. And it seems like they've just been doing a lot of great things this year. Congratulations to all those grads. Love TSU. I love what they're doing. And you're right. The more we can get them in the news, I love it. Shout out to TSU, an underlooked university. And I'm so happy that they have this banking program. Well, that will do it for today. Evan, thank you so much. GM, thank you so much. I learned a lot. And that's the big goal here. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Raheel. Have a great weekend, y'all. See you next time. 
That was Evan Mintz and Shiam Galyon. You can find links to all of the stories we talked about in our show notes. Hey, did you enjoy listening to CityCast Houston this week? Share your favorite episode with a friend so we can grow the show. That's all for this week on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa, our producer is Carleon Jones, and our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis, and the host is me, Raheel Ramzanali. Our music is by the band All the Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with a look at the environmental impact from the Shell Fire in Deer Park. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Mother's Day, and I hope you learned something new. I was about to gush about discount tire, but I'm not going to. No worries.